On today's episode, we're going to be talking about senior level strategy for building a fan or customer focused brand. And we're also going to be talking about creating digital experiences. That is this merging of physical and digital experiences that can engage your fans and customers 24 seven. From engagement, I'm David Malay, and this is Flip the Switch. Today with us, we have Javier Martinez-Garcia. Javier and I first crossed paths back when I was with Disney Institute, and he was with Atletico Madrid. But let me give you a little bit of background on who Javier is and the expertise that he's going to be bringing to this conversation. Before his time as a sports executive, Javier was actually a Disney exec, so no surprise that he's on this show. He's held a number of executive roles in Europe for the Walt Disney Company. For little context, working for Disney parks and resorts in a country where there are no physical parks and resorts ultimately becomes a massive customer-focused brand-building exercise. And as we'll see later on, Javier is a master brand-builder. Back in 2008-2009, Javier was the chairman of Disney's local management board in the Iberia region. Simply put, he was in charge of the development and execution of the Walt Disney Company's five-year growth plan for that Iberian region. And for those of you who suck at geography, that's Andorra, Spain, Portugal, Gibraltar. Javier was the head of marketing and sales for Disney parks and resorts in France, Netherlands, and Belgium. And another role that he had during that time was he was the managing director of retail and consumer products for the Iberia region. What makes Javier's Disney experience so interesting to me was his ability to pull different priorities and lines of business together into one overarching cohesive strategy. While in that leadership role at Disney, he integrated nine strategies and four business models into one singular strategy, tying all Disney products together. If you think of that trying to get everyone in your own athletic department or your pro sports team, if you think trying to get all those people to row together is hard, try doing it across multiple countries, languages, governmental laws, time zones, and business models. After Disney, Javier went to work with Atletico Madrid. Not to be confused with Real Madrid, Atletico has had mega success in their own right, especially over the last 10 years. For four of those years, Javier helped Atletico blow up as their global chief revenue and marketing officer and their fan experience director. Under his lead, Atletico grew 400% in sponsorships, added an extra 14 million global followers, and they launched an Indian sister team, if you will. One of the most visible things that he and his team did during his four years at Atletico was develop and open a brand new 68,000 seat stadium. Javier left Atletico, though, at the end of 2017, and he's been advising with a few different organizations since that time, from sports tech organizations like Microsoft's Global Sports Innovation Center to Manchester City Soccer Club. As we do more of these podcasts, I've realized that I typically don't like running through bios like this, but it felt important here because of the subject matter that we actually get into. Javier and I cover an array of topics together, as we usually do with guests on this show, but we really spend a lot of time on two main points. First, 
We talk about building a senior level strategy and a brand that's focused on engaging the customer. But as we get deeper into the conversation, we really spend a lot of time on the second point, which is ultimately how to engage the customer 24-7. It's something that our team at Engagement has been focusing a lot on. For many sports and entertainment organizations, the majority of revenue comes from match day or game day revenue. But if you're only making a limited number of if you're only making money a limited number of days per year, you can only get so good at it. And if you're capped by the number of people that you can fit into your venue, you're limited as to the amount of revenue that you can actually generate. When you look at the model of the big European football clubs, especially Manchester City, their revenue streams and their growth strategies are far more diversified than your average American pro sports team or even college athletics department. And certainly their audience is more global, which presents a whole nother source of challenges. Like how do you create a emotionally engaging customer experiences that connect with the fan for a fan that might never come to your venue? Enough rambling from me. Let's jump into this conversation with Javier Martinez Garcia. All right, Javier, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure and an honor. I am excited to dive in uh, because I think you and I share some of the same DNA of a Disney background as well as uh, two feet in sports right now. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of great things that come out here related to customer experience and employee experience. Excited to share this time with you. Hopefully, yes. It's exciting times we are living now. So It's, it's craziness. Well, let's start with this question. So uh, our audience tends to be a lot of senior listeners at uh, sports and entertainment organizations. And I think more and more senior leaders are, are starting to realize, hey, customer experience is the most important thing, especially going forward. We can't be completely focused on the revenue or the products. We got to be kind of, uh, we got really have to be focused on what are our customers' emotions, needs, wants, and how do we create from there? So if I'm a senior leader and I'm trying to get the rest of my team on board with that, what are some of my first steps? I look at what, you, what you've done at the different organizations you've worked with, and you're really focused on getting the whole team's eyes on the same ball. Can you talk to us a little bit about how a senior leader might go about getting their whole team united around the customer? Well, it's very interesting. And, uh, you know, there are many ways to approach to customer experience. Um, and now it's so hyped to talk about fan-centricity. You know, we are fan-centric, we are plan-centric. Sometimes it's a good story or a good cliche that most of or many people use. But in reality, there are very few organizations that really care about building things bottom-up from or from the center, having the, the fan or the client within, within the center of the equation, right? Uh, in my specific case, uh, as, as you said before, I, I spent 14 years working for Disney, most of them for Disney parks, which is also another layer uh, yeah. of, uh, of fan centricity and guest service. So, because it's about the experience. Uh, and then I spent almost three years and a half working for Atletico where we built a stadium and also we moved from one stadium, which was an icon, to a new one, which was a very 
very interesting experience uh, with many, many stories around it. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I, I am working with the Manchester City Football Club, who also has a very uh, long tradition in in the English football. Is one of the ancient um, historic uh, teams, and that have been outperforming for the past years in a crazy way. So you know they. It's 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 been very emotional all these that I've been going through. So back to your question, I, I, I'm just putting everything into a work frame for mm-hmm. our audience to to understand where I'm coming from or where my experience is based. So uh, I've been dealing with uh, fans, which is Disney fans. Disney hasn't got clients; they have fans. Yep. Um, from the start, and um, I'm still dealing with them uh, through professional sports. So how can you leverage, you know, uh, how can you leverage fun experience? Uh, I, I prefer talking about fun experience, which is not match day experience. And fun experience management is something totally different to just dealing with the operations side. Agreed. And... Uh, it's crucial in an organization to have the buying from the top. If the top, they don't believe in it, they, they will be thinking that it's a nice to have. Once the, the top management is really into it, then uh, you can work with the rest, with the middle, with the middle management and the, even the operational lower management. Sometimes there is a disruption between the people who really make things happen, which is mid-managers and the top. But whenever you have everybody on board, it's very easy and everybody knows what to do. Yep. So that, that's that's the key. You know, you have to get everybody engaged and we have to be fans of our fans. You know, people should be fans of our fans or our clients. I think it I think your point of having all the senior leaders bought in and that it's not a nice to have, it's a need to have is really important because that's when decisions decisions really change if it's just a nice to have. I'm not going to make that investment that's a significant investment if I just think it's a nice to have. But if I think it's a need to have, we'll move budgets around, we'll make it happen for the fan, right? How, how have you seen that come to fruition at Manchester City or Atletico or even at Disney? Well, they are quite different companies, the three <laughs> of them, I must say. Um, to begin with Disney, it's, you know, there are so many books written about it. Uh, and also the, the experiences in the parks or on every single product that uh, Disney delivers, um, that uh, client centricity is there. Uh, so whatever we do, and we do it with heart. You know, uh, I don't know the, the, the last mission statement of the company, but the the one I like most is we are family entertainment with heart. Yep. Sp- special family entertainment with heart. So that applies to everything we do. And the good thing about this is that from the from a cook or from a janitor up to the CEO. They know what to do. They know what we stand for and what the priorities for the companies are. So that that for Disney 
that was Walt's culture. Walt was, uh, you know, a genius, but someone as every genius, very difficult to follow. So you need, sometimes it happens that you have geniuses leading companies, but the, the organization doesn't follow. So that's something that you need to have the best around the genius in order to deliver the whole vision and also to get the buying from the rest of the, of the organization. Regarding Atletico, is all about passion. You know, okay. the, the, the core values are so big, so strong. You know, we are the, and I say we because I'm a fan. I'm an Atletico fan. And I so, I'm so fortunate that, and, and lucky that I, I could work for Atletico uh, as a managing director for business. Uh, were, were you an Atletico fan before you started working there? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you were Atletico over Real? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> let's, let's hang up. You know, <laughs> this podcast is dead. You know, if you don't, you don't, if you don't understand that. You know, um, Atletico, the, the, it's, it's basically we are the underdogs. We are the guys who fight to go over the top always. We live passionately. It's a way of life. And that's the main claim. So this is why when you think about really how to build uh, a really strong, um, you know, fan-centric program, you need to really assess which is your uh, core value proposition. If you don't have a very clear, <clears throat> simple, inspiring, engaging value proposition, I think no matter how money you put behind that, you won't get people engaged. When when you say that, do you mean an external value proposition, internal value proposition for your team? I, I think guess that there is, there, is, there is one. What do we do? We do okay. special family entertainment with heart. What do yeah. we do in Atletico? Atletico is uh, courage and heart. That's, okay. you know. That's and, a, okay. And, and then and, and Man City is beautiful football. Just, and everybody breathes that. Everybody, you know, everybody uh, from the CEO, the owners. And mm -hmm. so, and I'm talking about these three concrete examples. I work with some other clients too, but these are very concrete. And these are the ones that took about 30 years of my life. So, <laughs> you know, these are the ones that I, I really understand and know. So first, to begin with, you really have to, have a clear vision and also to involve your people in order to work on that vision uh, and that statement. Um, so it's, a, they, it's a written statement you're saying. It's, it's a not just something statement. that's okay. It's a written statement. You know, some companies, they, they bring over, you know, external consultants to build that. Uh, I don't believe in that. This should come from within. Mm -hmm. Of course, in the case of Disney, Walt was there, you know? Right. Um, Walt, it's, it's fun because he, there are so many stories about him. And, um, you know, I, I also was a chairman for the Walt Disney Company in Spain for two years. So I was very in touch with the culture in Burbank uh, and talking to Bob Iger and, and everybody, you know, there. So... You really understand that this guy, you, you know how, how, how uh, the new industry was was built. Like 
theme parks because Walt was bored. Right. <laughs> he was bored. You know, you cannot imagine that this guy could revolutionize a whole industry, entertainment industry, because of he didn't enjoy spending his Saturday afternoons with his daughters. He was really bored. He said, I, we need to do something in order to have everybody happy, forget about the outside world and create uh, something special. And as he was delivering magic through his films, he said, let's create this magical environment and uh, state of the art. So with that, you make people happy. So always family focused. So with that, you can, you know, when, whenever you talk to, to any visitor, to any guest in the parks, the outcome they have is that, you know, in different, in, in Disney, yeah, Disney is different because everybody's smiling. Mm-hmm. Everybody's really meaning or willing to help you. And this is not because there is a protocol. This is either you feel it or you don't have it. I, I always say that, you know, the Disney way is either you have it or you don't have it. You know? um, it's a way of, of being. Same with Atletico. Atletico, you know, it's a, I would say it's a family-owned uh, company, despite, you know, the majority of the, 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 the largest or the biggest shareholder is, is a family. And um, now they have the industry, they have grown so much in the past years and they achieved so many, so many uh, successes playing final of Champions League, winning La Liga, building one of the best stadiums in Europe. So it's a different game. Uh, I was lucky to be there. <clears throat> but, you know, everybody, you know, with very few people, very few resources, if you ask anybody in the organization, what is Atletico? They would say it's courage and heart. And this is what they move you, what they move them. Um, mm-hmm. They work like crazy, the engagement they have, the passion they have. Um, and second, they say Atletico is rock and roll. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Why, Madrid, why rock and roll? What? Real Madrid are the Beatles. We are the Rolling Stones. I like that comparison. That would be that would be a little bit of how we feel ourselves. And at Disney, everybody is happy. Everybody is smiling. Yeah. And Atletico is so vibrant. You know, I remember going to the old stadium Calderon with one of the founders of Airbnb. And, you know, he was uh, one of my invitees. The guy couldn't believe it. You know, he was kind of, wow, what's this? Because it was, that was, uh, you know, a boiler. It was so, 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 so uh, interesting. So this is something that uh, that uh, we, we are really proud of. We are really proud of what we are. We are not, we haven't won, you know, uh, we're not the best, maybe uh, from uh, titles, from titles number or number of uh, trophies we have. It's not comparable to Real Madrid, for sure. Real Madrid is a, it's a unique case in the world, 13 Champions League Cups. So they are in a different galaxy. <clears throat> but we, you know, it's a way of living. It's a way of understanding life. And... Um, and uh, regarding Man City, again, they are now really focused on 
everything they do should be state of the art. We attention to detail, um, very clean. All the messages are really uh, not controlled, but really they really are very careful on what they say, how they say it, especially because the ownership is coming from from um, release. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there, there might be some perceptions that they are not engaged with the community. You know, 70% of the people who work there are coming from Manchester, which, really? is, okay. which is crazy. They, you know, the people who built the whole facilities, which are one of the best facilities in the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, they, they are from Manchester. So this Mancunian heritage is, is a real thing. And uh, they built it through that and they wanted to add technology they they have developed very sophisticated um analytics training performance uh different uh protocols and and, and tactics they have one of the best coaches in the world with uh, pep uh and you can breed that everything should be state of the art so, yeah. so as you think about beautiful soccer for Man City, it translates off the field as kind of state of the art, first class, attention to detail, everything off the field Absolutely. should be beautiful as well. Absolutely. Okay. Which is challenging too, because, yeah. you know, it, it's challenging because sometimes the, the organization wants to deliver something that sometimes is not that easy to deliver for many reasons, you know, uh, but they, they deliver a fantastic experience. They are very close. They relaunched the club and it's amazing what they've done in, in, in the past years uh, and the heritage of, of being Mancunian, the proud, the pride of being Mancunian uh, versus the rich traditional uh, neighbors who are Man United. Yes. Um, now it's, you know, now it's all the way around. They are the winners and they, they are not that poor, let's say. Correct. Correct. They're, they're no longer just the little brother down the street. Um, well, let, let's talk about this. So I think as we think about creating that customer experience strategy, um, really first and foremost, defining that value proposition under, I, I loved your example of the Beatles versus the Rolling Stones, having some true essence and definition as to who your organization is, is really the starting point. But once you've got that established, how are you, whether at Atletico or at Man City, I look at what Disney had and and both you and I walked into Disney and there were already a lot of things established from a strategy perspective mm-hmm. around being customer centric. Mm-hmm. But with Atletico and Man City, those cultures were a little bit newer. So when you think about actually creating a, a true strategy that people can make business decisions in, how did you go about creating that strategy? Were there key pillars? Was it worked into people's performance reviews? What did your what does your customer experience strategy creation look like actually internally? Well, uh, let's start with with Atletico. Atletico also uh, were, is an organization that it's it used to be very local and it became global. Though we they are growing like crazy and they, they have millions of supporters around the world, they're still not as a brand as strong as Real Madrid or, mm-hmm. or, or Barcelona. And we need, we need to acknowledge that with, with no problem, you know. Um, in any case, in order to, to build up, uh, and I would correct you because I think that uh, Atletico's values are the same forever. 
So they started in 1903, and that's the spirit. You know, the same spirit. You know, it may change depending on on, on, on the moment, but the same core values. Values are the same. The same. Yeah. The fashion and uh, all this. Uh, so when when you try to deploy it transversely, I think that the key is to have uh, coherence. Let's say you can have one voice with multiple touch points. Once you have okay. that uh, internally and externally, then you feel you're uh, you're right on track. Okay. Can you give me an example of what that means? Like, from, yeah, from you know, we have. If we talk about sports, you have so many. Well, actually, Disney is the same. You know, or even you know, uh, entertainment. You have any brand has so many touch points nowadays with, mm-hmm. with their clients, or even internally, depending on the size of the of the company. You know, um, Disney is a gigantic company. Atletico is not such a big company. I'm, I, I'm not sure now how, how many they should be, but they are 200 or so. Mm-hmm. They are not that big. Uh, but you need to have consistently working transversely in order to have everybody aligned. Uh, this this is something I really enjoy, uh, and I enjoy a lot. Um, especially working once, once the core idea is there across the the organization, uh, then you have to work based on what, what you define as a client journey, customer journey. And you have, I think that, uh, as we, we, we talk, we have this quick chat and we mentioned that you have to have multiple journeys. There are B2B journeys, there are internal journeys, there are the fans journeys, there is a media journeys. So yeah, once you define every single journey of all the stakeholders, including your fans, there is where you sit with all the different disciplines in order to share with them a little bit of the journey and brief them. Let's say you sit down with IT and you say, guys, these are the journeys. So you present the journeys. Uh, with IT guys, you show them that you know we have a fan in I don't know in Colombia. Uh, I'm talking about Atletico, for example. Yeah. Or yeah. we have a fan in Colombia, and these these guys they do this and they expect from us these kind of things, and they want the highlights and they want the content and they want CRM and they want live streaming and they want to have a, their own Colombian platform in order to have their community very live. So these guys from IT, they take the whole list and they have to deliver, you know, prioritize, you know, do all the workshops, do all the roadmaps, building blocks, then ask for the budget yep. because asking for needs is very easy, but then you have to put priorities, okay? So, boom, you have two IT, and then IT goes there. There is another journey would be media. You go to IT and say, hey, we have the broadcasters, we have the radio, we have, so blah, 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 blah. So then you have to define, you, you cannot do all the journeys at once because it's impossible to cover all that. Right. But block by block, you put them all together. The funny piece is that sometimes, or many times, 
they are doing different disciplines or different departments are doing same things or similar things for us to solve similar issues and they don't know. So I, I really enjoy when I put them together. Having them together in a very pragmatic way, very efficient, non-time-consuming forums mm-hmm. is fantastic because they are all aligned. It's it's really interesting. I mean, I, I love the concept of the really physically mapping out the visual journey and putting the customer at the center. And I, I mean, even I think what, what a lot of European teams do and from what your example with Atletico, you even started with the non-match day experience. You started with the fan in Colombia who might never go to a game at the new stadium, but they're still a, a diehard fan of Atletico. What's their customer journey look like? How can we engage them and continue to capture their hearts and hopefully their wallets and their their money too? How do we make their experience better? What's their journey? I think in America, there's been a lot less focus on... When we think about fan experience, we think too often of the match day experience and not enough of all of the fans that might never make it to a game. What's no, but, but that's my vision. Eh? I have, yeah, yeah. you know, here, you know, my personal fight is fan experience is not match day experience. And people focus on match day experience, honestly. And, and I, I, send this, I, I say this candidly. But I say this candidly because, you know, for Disney... Your journey starts when you you just are looking for information. This is where your journey starts. How how can I go to the parks? Your journey might even start before that. It might be when you first watched a Disney movie as a little kid, right? Whatever. At Disney, you say one mouse, one voice. So it's it's the same. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, let's say that I try to translate what I did for Disney. Uh, I you know I used to run marketing sales for in. With, you know, in these 14 years, seven different card markets in, in Europe. So basically each country is different, but the, the basics are basically the same because we are human after all. You know, you might need to adapt things. Here in, in Spain, I'm based in Spain, Mickey Mouse and the castle is the driver. Forget about whatever, it's Mickey Mouse and the castle. I was famous because they, 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 the guys laughed at me and they said, Mr. Castillo y Raton, you know, which is mouse and the castle. Say, don't bring me the new buildings, amazing sceneries or whatever. Bring me just Mickey Mouse in front of the castle. We have, I have a very funny story. When we launched uh, Space Mountain 2 and, you know, the, it took me quite a bit to convince brand that I needed Mickey Mouse in front of the building of the Space Mountain. Because mm-hmm. they, the, the campaign was just the building saying Space Mountain too. The driver, how people get engaged, going back to the fan engagement thing, is we need to see Mickey, not a building. Okay? So finally, I got Mickey Mouse dressed as an astronaut in front of the Space Mountain. And we nailed it. You know, we went to the, up to the roof. But in Germany, it was different. They were really concerned about how many, what was the consumption, the, the power consumption and the safety that we are using. The more rational, every, if you see, for example, for the same event or for the same launch, a press release for Germany and a press release for Italy, they had nothing to do. But we need to adapt 
in order to have what is relevant to the client to engage them and to make them feel that this is their place, their magic place. I love it. Yeah. If, and that I think encapsulates really customer centricity. It's what are the goals, motivations, emotions, how do, how, what's important to that individual fan? And then how can we change our offering services, marketing even to adapt to those things? And I think that is customer experience and customer centricity at its core. But let's talk a little bit more about this match day difference versus 24 seven uh, fan experience. How do you see those things either working together or being separate and competing against one another? How do you, do they, do they work together? Do they compete against one another? How do you view those two things? Uh, how do you, how do you evaluate those two things? How do you, how do you think about those? Well, I, I think it's, you need to, to create momentum for the climax, which is match day. You need okay. to build that momentum with different, with different uh, activities, planning, experiences, um, uh, information. So now with the digital revolution uh, from some years now, uh, I wouldn't say that it's easy because you need to really curate what you're going to do, what's more efficient. The, the good thing is that you can track. You can personalize, you can commoditize, you, you can adapt everything. So you can really define what you want to do based on that initial uh, uh, reason why, let's say. You know? uh, so you need to build that momentum in order to get the best for that match day. Don't forget that match day, now it's... Well, let's say that when we talk about match day in the Premier League, they they do a lot of research on on, on analysis. I, I know that also in in the States they do that. Um, Europe is really catching up. Um, let's say the sophistication you have uh, in sports dealing from a business standpoint is far higher than the one we have here in Europe. But we're really catching up and people are moving in the right direction. Um, so there is a lot of, you know, tracking and analysis on what the match day is, what's relevant in a match day by club, by region, by segment. So with that, you can work with your own tools in order to, number one, create that momentum until you have the match day. And number two is to really identify what are the real triggers you need to move in order to keep that fan engaged with you. Uh, final final uh, goal is to make them open their app, being very basic, yeah. at least three times a day. That would be it. Is, is that right? what you guys, is that like actually something that you guys said is we want our fans? It depends, it depends on the club, you know? Okay. It depends on, you know, the discussion about round apps. We can, we can talk about we do another podcast for, on that. Yeah. for hours, <laughs> you know, because there are clubs that have, they have, I don't know, seven apps for one club. There are some others who, who's, who's got just one app. But if you want to find something, you need to, uh, you know, ask Google. <laughs> you need to Google within the app, you get, you get lost. I think that that's improving. I think that apps are more 
uh, user-friendly and uh, organizations are, are understanding that the idea uh, of using an app in an efficient way also is to use the gamification mm-hmm. approach because it's kind of you want to open it and come back and come back. If you want to have the full information, you go to the website, all right? Or you read a, a newspaper or you go to media, all right? But, you know, you need to understand the different things uh, on how to get in touch with your with your fans. Personally, uh, I am a very strong oriented to the digital experience, let's say. That yeah, mix between I- physical and digital. Because, you know, at Disney, for example, we tracked which is the most important experience, the ultimate Disney experience. And everybody said parks. Uh, Number two, uh, theatrical. Let's Mm -hmm. say live stage shows. Number three, the retail. Why? Because you touch... You touch the brand. You're in touch. You can touch. You can talk to the brand. You feel it. You're in in there. Now with the digital revolution, you can have an ecosystem where you can have different kind of experiences. And I'm not talking, this is before the COVID pandemic, right? Right. Uh, With COVID pandemic, they all forced us to go virtual. Uh, And and for example, the first project I was involved in Man City was the relaunch of the tour where we worked with uh, Thinkwell. I don't know if you know the guys from Thinkwell mm-hmm. in the US. Uh, they build theme parks around the globe, uh, ex-Disney Imagineering. So it's very, very into that. So we wanted to build something unique, memorable, and immersive where you can touch, where you can feel, where you can smell. And this is what we put together. And it's it's there at the Etihad Stadium. That that's pretty cool. I'm gonna have to we might have to reach out to those guys as a as a separate follow-up podcast for this and, and talk more about that. Um as you think about the future, then if I if I hear you right, really the core things that are still gonna or that are important prior to COVID is number one, you got to be able to touch and feel the things because that is it's reality. Um, and the digital was a supplement to that. Do you think that going forward, and this Dig- is, sorry, oh, digital is an enabler, enabler, an enabler, not a supplement. Okay. It is Define, it's Define, crucial. Define that a little bit more. You know, um, if you do, or if you build your plans, um, based on what technology can provide you with, you're dead. You okay. need to really think on what's my goal, what I want to achieve, and then you say, what are the tools I need to achieve this? Mm-hmm. Sometimes is bringing, for example, we had to convince one by one the character, Disney characters to be more present in the park because they are sometimes lazy and they want to rest. You know, you have Baloo, for example, and he wanted to be there in the jungle, just singing and dancing. And we had to convince him to be more present in the parks. And this is not digital. And when you ask people on the internet about 
what did they enjoy most? It was the, just being in touch with the characters. So there, it's a digital uh, experience because with your app, you know where Baloo is going to meet and greet the people. And then you can also make your booking in order to meet uh, Baloo. And then also you can buy Baloo's T-shirt so that he can give you his autograph. But what is what they value most? Meeting Baloo. I love it. So, so when you think about digital, it's using digital as an enabler for people to have Absolutely. better physical experiences. Absolutely. Beautiful. How do you, how do you think that applies though? You use the fan in Colombia of Atletico. How does that apply to, to the person that might come to a game once every couple of years or once in their lifetime? How, how do you explain, or how can you think about a digital experience for that kind of person? Or is it strictly digital? Depends on. Let me. This is this is very interesting and very rich, and I am really lucky that I I work with also with Man City. Man City is the only uh, soccer or football organization in the world where the sun never sets mm. because they have teams all over the world. All over. Yep. So the basic concept. And this is this is, was my first lunch with uh, Ferran Soriano, who's the CEO, who's the visionary. Remember we were talking about the visionary? Yep, the wall. Yep, that. This guy is a visionary. He's he's such a visionary, and sometimes it's hard to follow, honestly, mm. um, for because he he's thinking about different galaxies, and and, and we are trying to put together <laughs> the galaxy that we have to run. So, I mean, I remember, you know, having lunch with him and say, you know what, Javier, what I, what I want to do, he said he's a former Barcelona. He used to be VP of Barcelona. So, I mean, Barcelona, he, he had the same vision, but he couldn't do it because of the specificities of Barcelona, which is not a company. It's, an, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a club owned by, by the members. So, it, it's a different setup. So, that, that's very challenging to to. To do so now that you know, Man City is a is a one owned company by one group from Abu Dhabi. Uh, he proposed this vision to the group, and um, I'm, I'm going back to your to your point on how it, how people can follow you all over the world. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So the guy said, "Well, sorry, Ferran said, you know, Javier." Basically, the the teams, the, let's say the big the big player, the big soccer teams or the big football teams, we say that we are global. Barcelona is global, but why Barcelona is global? Because he wins global titles, for example. But he does they they do just one promotional tour a year. Mm. So if you live in, for example, promotional tours, I've been in charge of promotional tours. I know what what means to put together a promotional tour, which is a very interesting, very interesting experience um, with fans, with everything. But you go, you know, let's say this year we go to Asia, but Asia is big. Where in Asia? No, just by going to China. You can get, you know, stay there forever. So 
you need to really define where you're going. So the possibilities of having your fans touching the brand, being with the players, watching them on a stadium, having that sense is very limited. Mm-hmm. Very limited. So this is why he came with the idea of saying, okay, we have Manchester City, which is a traditional football team in in Europe and of course in the, in the UK. We are going to put to, to make it play at the at the top level uh, worldwide. And then we want to create a concept which is beautiful football, which is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then we want to building on the city concept, city, because city is everywhere you are, you know? So we are going to build a network, and this was three years ago. They already had some. They had the Yokohama Marinos, the Melbourne City. They had the, the New York City in, in New York. Um, so building on the promise of beautiful football plus in the branding of city, they are going to create a worldwide fan experience that is based on beautiful football and the branding of the city. So you can be a fan, you can be a Manchester City fan just by going to your city in New York. So you support your local team, but you are also in the end a Manchester City fan. And what Manchester City Football Group is doing is replicating all their know-how around the world by training facilities, by training methodologies, by the values they are inspiring, by the way they connect with community. And this is a perfect example of going global. You know the term global, right? Global and local. And they're doing it, which is exactly, and he said, which is exactly what the Disney parks are. Exactly. I was just about to say, we used to always say that, right? Think global, act local. Yeah. And, and you have yeah. a, a vertical PL local and then yep. a transversal PL and the way you do business transversally global, which is replicating what the the Disney parks are. Right, right. Uh, it's, it's it's beautiful. That's um, a nice story, right? It, it is. That's a good story. And but I think it's a really good example. And so the, think, the Colombian, the Colombian girls no, or, or or the Uruguayan, they go to see Torque City, yeah, and then yeah. they they watch on TV, and then they they will be they will come. You know, we are transmitting in VR. We they you are know, virtual stadiums, so you can you will be able in the future to buy your seat at Etihad Virtual Stadium and watch all of all those games there. I was I was going to transition us off topics, but you've got to talk a little bit more about this. This is too interesting to just gloss over. The listeners would be like, "Why the heck did you?" He said he said a virtual stadium. Buy your seat at a virtual stadium. Let's talk about this virtual stadium a little bit. Okay, um, this is not rocket science. It's a question that you need to have the technology and the commercial or the business model to make it happen. The idea, let's say that we imagine something. Uh, let, me, let me go back a little bit. Why smart stadiums? Why? Why everybody is trying to have their stadium smart? In order to have different kinds of experiences that some of them 
are digital, some of them are physical, but also to provide information not only for the performance of the club, of the retailers, of the food and beverages, of the fans, but also to have the best potential broadcasting experience they can have wherever the world. So the better you can broadcast the experience inside mm-hmm. the stadium, the most engagement you might be able to deliver to those fans, right? So now the the current level of technology development that we have around the world needs smart stadiums because also smart stadiums allow you to use them seven days a week. So you invest a lot in having a smart stadium, which is related to safety, to mobility, to sustainability, to um, you know business itself, to performance, to many many things that uh, allow you to have a really big loudspeaker, but it's a very intelligent loudspeaker because all that data that you capture goes into the plans that you will do and you will have in order to have. Uh, uh, you know, a big growth in your fan base and also how to get in touch with them, all right? But never forget the human aspect because, you know, a fan is passionate and without passion, there are no fans, all right? 100%. And without fans, there's no big contracts for players, nothing. Chicken egg. Yep. Yeah. Who goes first? Okay, so that's for the smart stadiums. But the smart stadiums would be if you are, uh, you know, I'm I'm in Spain and I'm a city fan, which I am. Um, what if I want to be there and have an experience that will make me feel as if I were there? So how can I do that? Um, there are many, many projects going around and there are many startups doing developing amazing technologies not only startups but you have the big guys doing it you know Mm -hmm. microsoft is really active i'm part of the global sports innovation center for microsoft and you know they have things that are really amazing nowadays such as replicating with their hololens in an ar experience in your living room just as being there or you know having a look at the at the pitch on how tactically the, the, the players are moving just with hololens or you can connect with your hololens you know uh, with your peers or your fans so that's amazing so that, that's let's say bringing the stadium to your home so you're still in your home but you can have different experiences based on AR regarding VR and this is also a big discussion we were mentioning about the museum. And sometimes I, I, I'm, I'm not politically correct. I know, you know, uh, for the good of We're not that, politically correct here on this no, show. No, 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 <laughs> not you. But, you know, my employers sometimes are politically correct. So, you know, but, you know, if you don't break the eggs, you don't have the omelet, right? Agreed, agreed. Okay. So, but sometimes, you know, the problem sometimes with, with the management, with the top management, is they go somewhere and they see something they really enjoy and they come back. And they say, I saw this 
you know, feature with VR, and it's amazing because it's linked to a host that it's been generated in AI. Why don't we do that? Um, my question, you know, now I'm a little bit older, so I, I, I think I've earned uh, the right to ask, you know, not politically correct questions. So say, why, why do we need that? You liked it. It's fantastic. But do, do we need that? Okay. So I uh, say, no, but it's amazing. It's shocking. And then you say, okay, okay, okay. Then you try to behave. And then I'll, t- I'll come back to you with this one. So for VR, my personal view, for example, one of the things is that when, when developing the tour, you know, there are many tours that they include VR. If you are in the stadium, what? And I'm asking to you, David. What's the added value you have when you are in a stadium? Uh, the value of going to the stadium is being able to feel it, being able to hear it, being a- around a bunch of other people that care about the same thing. So the community aspect of it. I would say those are probably the three big things: seeing, feeling it, hearing it, and the community aspect. I, I, I would resume in just in, in in two words. It's the added value of being there is being there. Yeah, yeah. So why the hell are you going to put when you see someone in the dugouts with a VR headset to isolate you, and you can be in China? or sitting in Pep's Guardiola's seat is the same. So I am a very, very strong fan for AR in a tour, in a, in a stadium, because you are there, you are feeling there, you feel the vibe, you see the stadium, you feel that this is the real place. And maybe with your AR goggles, you can see stuff, you can add content. You can see maybe if you have the footage, you are able even with an empty stadium that it's off, you can see one of your memorable goals. Yep. You know, your favorite player scoring that memorable goal which with which you won the league. That is AR. Okay. And we keep on trying to push VR. Do you think do you think though that VR oh go ahead. Go ahead. No, just to finish your question, because I started telling you the whole story. From the smart stadium, which is a, you know, so I'm in Madrid. I want to see my idea would be that I could buy, you know, a, a virtual stadium could be, could have endless seats because it's virtual. Right. right. So all people from all over the world could be there. Millions of people connecting. My idea would be that and here you will need VR because you are sitting there in your seat inside Etihad Stadium, which has been replicated, and with the, with the technology in order to view the match as it's happening now. The problem is that there are no, there is not sufficient uh, technology now in order to, to create that. It's in beta, you know, beta, uh, it's test. But the idea is that, and also there is also a, a rights uh, negotiation there. Because you are watching the game and True. broadcasters are paying that. So True. my idea, it would be that from home, 
I go there, I feel I'm at Etihad or at uh, Metropolitano Stadium, mm-hmm. watching the game at the same time in real time. That involves broadcasting rights, which is different, very strong discussion because this is where the big money is coming from <laughs> all the clubs. So this is why virtual stadium is a fantastic concept. It will come. I'm sure it will mm-hmm. come. But no, no. Do you, I'm, I'm curious as to kind of the concept of AR, VR, and I, I do want to wrap up somewhat soon and I'll be sensitive to time, but do you think when that technology is inevitably available and let's say we get past broadcast rights and we're able to figure that out, the negotiations there, do you think now it ever gets to a point where if I live in Manchester or let's say I live in London, the virtual experience is so good now that I'm not going to go to the stadium? Do you think we need to worry about that in the future or and and put certain protections around it? Or, I mean, how do you think about the that virtual experience being so good that it cannibalizes the being there uh, in the stadium? Well, that's a big challenge because you know, the, the the question to that or the keyword for that question is or two is unique and memorable. You know, you can be there with VR or whatever. It's comfortable. You're there. You don't want to go because you know you're tired or you don't want to go. Or uh, in the it, it will depend. It will depend on the kind of sports that you're talking about. In the question of football, you need to make it, you know, the vibes, the vibrancy, you need to make it really memorable. Yeah. Uh, and, and this, you cannot deliver that. It's, it's an additional challenge because the quality of broadcasting is improving. Mm-hmm. The features that you're adding now and definitely after the pandemic, we will see a different way of, of looking at football because you know, we will be far more interactive. We will live far more uh, with statistics, with replays, with anything you can do. To me, and I'm also, I, I, I know the guys and I'm in touch with them. To me, uh, what Formula One is doing mm-hmm. is amazing. So, but also the, the essence of the sport is is that, that you you need to have many different sources of information uh, in, in football or in rugby or in tennis, you cannot provide that much because it's not that technologically driven um, as Formula One. The Formula mm-hmm. One is based on technology. So so you need to make the human side, the spectacular, the wow, the wow part come alive. And that will be unique and memorable inside, onside. Yeah. And. And I think this goes back to what you were saying with Disney of what were what were the most important things and the first things were is all in person was one, two, and three. And being able to touch and feel it will always kind of went out. Um, well, the ahead. castle, the, the fireworks. Right. right. It's not the same. You see the fireworks there and you, wow, your jaw goes down. And then you see it on VR and say, yes, it's fantastic. It's not. It's different. It's not the same. Um, well, with that, let's kind of uh, wrap up here. Um, Javier, is there any kind of final advice you would give to our listeners of the show? Uh, anybody that's trying to become a more customer-centric sports and entertainment organization, um, what any final closing words of advice you would give? Um, 
first I need to apologize because I get passionate and I tell stories. So that's good. Don't apologize is, for that. This is not a you know bullet point presentation. So sorry for that. Uh, secondly, think think fun. Think about what they are. I recommend to see. You know, there's a movie uh, that it's it's in Netflix, which is about the Brexit. I don't know okay. if you saw it. No, what's it called? Brexit. Oh, it's called Brexit. Okay. Yeah, and um, it, the that it tells the story about Brexit, and um, in this, in the, the the guy who was the brain behind the strategy. It's fantastic because he brings over these uh, new business uh, data analytics team that they found three million boats additionally that nobody knew that they were there just by going into the big data. Mm-hmm. But the guy, every day he went to pubs. He was playing pool with people. So you have the data analytics, but then he really cracked it he really cracked it going to the pubs, talking to the people. So that would be my main comparison or parallelism on, on how you deal. It's not only about data. It's about talking to the people. It's about being there. It's about, you know, you're queuing for a hot dog and you ask them, hey, how are these hot dogs? Are they nice? Are they good? Um, yeah, you know, stadium food, you know. These are the kind of things that make you, makes a difference. I think talking to people, just getting out of your comfort zone, get out from behind your computer and go talk to your fans. We, and then go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, like, so Penn state is an uh, athletic department. They've got a hundred thousand seat stadium. They're, they're one of our bigger clients. And, you know, one of the exercises that we did was once we had, map facilitated the mapping out of these customer journey maps we had people go out and say okay let's see how our people feel at each one of these touch points and so we had people from the operations team not marketing people from i mean we had marketing there as well but you had all people from all the different areas go out and they had to have lunch or go grab a coffee and sit down and just talk with these different people about what their emotions were at these different areas. How did they experience it? How did they prepare for it? And the insights we got from that were so much richer than anything we could get from just numbers. And when you combine those two together, that's when you really start to get see the magic. In Man City, they have a forum where, where City Matters, it's called, where top management meets every two months, I think, with different uh, fan clubs and mm. they talk. To get insights. That. Also, to me, I would, and, and America is more disciplined with the use of players. You know, now with this pandemic, players are in, becoming a little bit closer to the fans and they understand things that they, you know, they forgot that they were fans when they were yeah. young yeah. because they have, you know, a different status now. So. Fascinating. Well, we could talk all day, Javier. Um, I know, I know. I talk too much. <laughs> no, I appreciate having you on. Um, and if people want to get in touch with you or follow along your journey, um, where can people uh, reach you or follow along? Well, actually, you know, uh, I can. You can email me. Uh, very, very easy. It's well. I I don't know if you. Maybe it's oh. better if you just 
write put it, it down. in the show notes. Yeah. All right. And also in my LinkedIn profile, you know, they can reach me. Yeah, I'll give you my email and also my my LinkedIn Perfect. link. Javier, thank you so much. Uh, until our next conversation. David, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And, you know, here you've you got a friend of me. Appreciate it. Good way to close it out with a nice Disney pun. We'll see you later. Hey, guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.